0: Revelation chapter 12, we have heard the seventh trumpet blow, and now as I speak in Texas vernacular, things are about to get western around here, because things are fixing to start happening that will help us to understand what this great tribulation is all about now if you look in in your worship folder at the title of my message you see something that may seem strange to you a i have a i have a jewish friend in jerusalem and every once in a while i come across something that i need answered and he's the only one that can answer it for me I've had him describe things to me and tell me about uh, the land and the things that, that go on, and uh, he sends me Easter greetings, he sends me Christmas greetings, uh, but he is, he is an Orthodox Jew, but he's a wonderful man. But when he writes something to me, and, and a true Orthodox Jew will not spell out the name of God in fear of offending God and they will not refer to him as god he is the almighty and that way they don't take his name and use it in vain so if he ever writes and puts the name of god god he will put g hyphen d so he doesn't spell out the whole thing not not wanting to offend him so what I did with the title of the message today, and you see the S-A, the hyphen, and the A-N, I did that to not spell out the name of Satan because he doesn't deserve to have his name spoken. All right, all right, amen. But just a few weeks ago, we read where John was given the book And from that book, he was to eat, and he tasted the sweet and the bitter. So when we look at chapter 12, we are looking at the bitter side of what's about to happen. Because you and I are going to be exposed to this one that we know of as Satan. And I I want to begin it like this. And... You probably know how I feel, but I, I got to ask you, do you like a liar? Do you like, you like sitting around conversing with someone that just lies all the time? No, no. You know, one of the things that, that I told my kids growing up early on, I said, I'll stand with you, I'll help you, I'll defend you, but if you ever lie to me, you're on your own. There, there's no reason for that. Now, all of us, I think in, in many ways, we, we don't like to be around someone that, that does things like that because it just, it just kind of grates against who we actually are. So if you, don't, if you don't really want to be around someone that lies, how about would you like to just sit around with a murderer that uh, enjoys murdering? Well, I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't want to converse with someone like that. I wouldn't want to be around a person that sees nothing wrong with that and enjoys that. Well, the truth of the matter is, and the scripture is very plain, in John 8:44, Jesus told the Pharisees that you are of your father, the devil. He is a liar, and he's been a liar from the very beginning. He is a murderer, and so why would we want to converse with him? Why would we want to even be around Him? And why would we want to take suggestions from Him? And yet, those things happen to us. Now, we're going to meet in chapter 12, someone whose lies are finally being exposed. Now, He's, he's been in the picture ever since the tribulation began. But one thing you're going to see, and we'll see this next week in chapter 13. The power behind the Antichrist is Satan. It's, it's not this, this brilliant mind of a man that is making peace all around the world. And then in the first three and a half years of this tribulation, he is, he is going into different countries and he's promising them that he will bring peace that he will subject the world to that peace and that he will defend them and they begin to give everything to him, sign everything over to him. He's called the Antichrist. But the power in that Antichrist is nothing but Satan himself. Now Satan is is going to begin to uh, be exposed. And when that happens, the Antichrist is going to turn against everyone that, it, that uh, has signed everything over to him. And he is basically going to rule all around the world. Now, that's, that's what the scripture teaches us concerning this one. His power of deception, and I'm talking about Satan's, is beginning to dwindle. And he is beginning to lose some of what he wants to, to, to have as his. The picture that he has of ruling over all this world and, and having it as his own is beginning to fade into the past. And he's becoming like a cornered animal. Now, If you've ever faced a cornered animal, uh, one that uh, you may think is, is very tame. I, I remember one time uh, back years ago when I had to work for a living. I was in Childress and there's a horse got out. And one of the guys that I worked with, he came from Michigan down here. And this horse, we finally got him back into a corner. And that horse was uh, standing looking at us. And here's here's what Tom did. He walked up toward him. And the first thing he did was said, he went, whoa. And that horse went, bam, gone. And I looked at him and I, I, he turned around and I said, don't ever do that again. Let me do this. <laughs> you, you find an animal that's cornered, whatever you might do, that animal is going to come out of that corner no matter what it takes. They're going to come out. Now, what's happening here is Satan is about to be cornered. And when that happens, he is going to come out of that corner and he is going to do it in such a way... That he is going to cause all kinds of disruption during this time of tribulation. He is becoming desperate. And in that desperation, he's going to assert his power and authority in such a way that, that people are going to be struggling. And people are going to be murdered. And things are going to happen. But it's all according to this one that we refer to as Satan. Satan means adversary what the word means he is called the devil in the scripture it's diablo and and from that you you get the accuser and we're going to see that in just a moment but satan is nothing more than an adversary he is your enemy and the things that cause us the most disruption are those things that we allow to happen because we yield ourselves to him his, his plan, all that he had. And, and when people talk about, well, how does, how does Satan lure us in, in such a, a unique way? Well, the plan was set in motion in the Garden of Eden. Because the scripture tells us that, that Satan uses three methods to, to pull you down. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Do you remember how Eve fell and Adam fell? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Now, you think about what happens to you, and I think about what happens to me, and I think about all those times I've been lured into something. Do you know how he captured me and and caused me to do things that I shouldn't be doing? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Why doesn't he change? He doesn't have to. We still give in to that. Okay, now, here is God that is about to put in, in, in his plan this latter part of the tribulation period. And the, the, uh, what's going to happen is, is that uh, he's, uh, the Antichrist is going to break the treaty with Israel, desecrate the temple... He's going to put his his image up in in the temple and then all hell is going to break loose during this time of the tribulation. So we have to ask ourselves, who is Satan really mad at? Why is he mad? And is there victory for us? You think so? Let's look at chapter 12. Now the interesting part is is that when you begin reading this and the wording that is used here, it, it seemingly goes uh, as, as some type of a riddle or something as to what God is trying to say to us. And so it begins in verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. Who is this Wonder Woman? You read in, the, down through chapter 12, and, and you're going to read about uh, a child being born, and we're going to talk about who that child is. But we look at the, at the understanding as to who is this Wonder Woman that John sees in the heavens in verse 1. Now, the word, if you have a King James Version, it says, there appeared a great wonder. Another version might say, a sign. And that's the word that he uses there. Here is a great sign in heaven that's given to us. There appeared a great sign, a woman clothed with the sun. Now, if you ask different ones... Many people believe that this woman is the Virgin Mary, that she gave birth to the Christ child, and so what John is writing about here is the Virgin Mary. The truth of the matter is that the only thing that the Scripture ever says about Mary is that she was a peasant girl in Nazareth. That's what we know. She's a peasant girl in Nazareth. And as I've read through the scripture, I've never read about the Virgin Mary being clothed with the sun and the moon. And I've never read about her fleeing into the wilderness. Now that's where some will stop and argue with you. Because you'll say, well, you remember when they went into Egypt? I remember. It doesn't jive with the time frame that we're going to see here. Also, Egypt is not a wilderness. So... The Virgin Mary, I don't think so. There are some people that really believe that this this wonder woman is the church, representing the church. The church is never addressed as this type of a woman. Plus, the church never gives birth to Christ. Christ gives birth to the church. So couldn't be the church could really couldn't be the virgin mary who is this so if it's neither one of these who is this woman so arrayed giving birth if you find a good jew and i think i could probably ask my friend this if you find someone that you say i just gotta have to ask you a question and you say who is a woman clothed with the sun the moon under her feet and at her head a crown of 12 stars, guess who they would say? That's Joseph. That's Joseph. Remember Joseph's dream? He saw the sun, the moon, and 11 stars. But now we see 12 stars. Could be Joseph. Could be representing the 12 tribes of Israel. That's what they would think. That's what they would say. But now when you and I put this into perspective and ask ourselves, who is this woman that has this, this crown on her head and her, her feet clothed, her or, or, or feet, the sun and the moon under her feet, the crown on, the 12 stars, who could this woman be? You go back to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, God said, and all nations shall be blessed because of you, Abraham. And I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. All nations are blessed by Abraham. This woman that's about to deliver this child is none other than a promise from God to Israel. And what you see delivering this child is the nation of Israel. Israel is the promised seed of Abraham. It's the Jewish nation. The Jewish nation that brings forth this child. She will bring forth a Messiah. And the Messiah will be the one that dies for the entire world. Look at verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now there's some words I want you to see there that help us to understand what we're talking about. The Jewish Messiah comes from the nation of Israel as a promise given to Abraham that all the world will be blessed by this nation. So the nation brings forth this one who he says will rule with a rod of iron. You ready for the verse? Psalms 2 verse 9. That second Psalm is about the Messiah that's coming. And he will rule with a rod of iron. So what we see is Israel, the nation of Israel, giving birth to this child who will rule. Notice it says, brought forth a man child. This is the Messiah who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now interestingly, what you see there is, we see the incarnation and then we see the ascension. So what happened to the other 33 years? Well, if you look at that, that word iron there, there's a colon. You see that? That colon represents 33 years. What they did, what the writer did, what John did was, is that he brought all of this together and he focused on what he needed to use and, and what he needed to share with us as to who this child was. He is the Messiah who is to come. And then he goes back to the father on his throne. The phrase, her child was caught up unto God. See that? It's the same word that Paul used when he says the church is snatched away. So Jesus ascends to heaven And you and I recognize the ascension because we have been snatched away. So now the rapture has taken place. Jesus is ascended to heaven. He is our redeemer. And he is redeeming us from what has been lost. That's what this tribulation is all about. About Israel. It's the nation of Israel giving birth to the Messiah. Verse 3 and 4, all of a sudden, we find something else introduced, another sign. Verse 3, and there appeared, unto, appeared another sign or wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. The great red dragon. If you look back in chapter 6 in verse 4, when the horses came riding out, there was a red horse. Remember that? And the red horse represented death death. So when we talk about a red dragon, we're talking about someone who is the epitome of death that wants to destroy you, wants to destroy me, wants to destroy uh, all of those in our church, every church. He wants to destroy everyone because he's doing his best to take and, and destroy everything that belongs to God. And so now death and blood and all that is fearsome to us finds itself in this one that we recognize as Satan. The dragon is how he's going to be referred to. And he's referred to here as that dragon that fills this Antichrist with his power. Interestingly, though, he's not something that's ugly. And red, and, and that's the way first time I ever saw a picture of the devil. You see it, had the tail out, and he's, he's red, deep, deep red, and he's got horns sticking up, and he's got this evil-looking face. You know, if, if I, I see that, I'm, I'm leaving. and so would you. But Paul says he transforms himself into an angel of light. And in fact, this one called Satan was created by God and his name was Lucifer, the star of the morning, the beauty that surrounded the throne. And he was around the throne until he began to covet the throne. And That's why Satan is no longer in heaven and why he was cast down. He rebelled and his shining star, he was thrown down and now He's waiting for the delivery of the Messiah so that he can destroy the Messiah. How long has he been waiting? Since Genesis chapter 3. When God said, there will come from the seed of a woman. One that will you will bruise his heel, he will crush your head. Okay? Now the seed of the woman, we understand. The woman does not have a seed. Has to be a virgin birth. And that's where we find Mary. Here is this child that has come, and he's seeking to kill him. And if you read through the Old Testament, he did it time and time and time again. There was one time that there was only one successor left in the lineage of David. You go through all of these kings and and, and what happened was one of them, uh, one of the kings died and, and that was the last one except the children that were coming by them. And the queen at that particular time, she began to kill all of those sons in, in, of his. and it was destroying the line of David. But there was the high priest wife that took one of the little boys and took him out and hid him and covered him. Until he was old enough to take the throne. His name was Joash. And Joash is the one that reestablished the work of the temple. And Joash began to replenish the seed of David coming down. Satan is seeking to destroy him. When Jesus was born, all of us understand the Magi came. And they said, we're looking for this Christ child. And so they went to Herod and Herod said, I, I, I don't know where he is. And then he said, I want you to kill all of these babies from two years old and down, kill every one of them. And they did. They destroyed them. But God sent Joseph to Egypt, got him out of the way. He couldn't destroy him. He tried to th- cast him over a cliff. You remember that? They were going to grab him. They were going to cast him over the cliff. Was such an, in such disarray, Jesus just looked, turned around and walked out. And left him there. They were going to stone him. And Jesus just turned and walked away. He tried. He tried. He tried to kill him. And the cross came. And he watched him as he died there on that cross. And he said, he's dead. And all of a sudden, the stone rolled away. And now, he's still trying to destroy everything there is about this Christ child, the Messiah, who is to come. The seven heads, don't, don't get balled up with this. The seven heads and the crowns and the horns. Anytime you read about the horns in the scripture, it means power, strength. What he's talking about is his, his complete intelligence. He, he is, he is he's, uh, able to seduce us, He's able to destroy us. He's able to take us down. That's why I encourage you. And, and I, I hear people all the time say, I just said, to, I told de- the devil, leave me alone. Don't, don't tell him anything. Don't even talk to him. Don't look at him. All you got to do is say, God, I've sinned against you. Forgive me. Please take care of this. And that's when Satan comes and knocks back on your door and the Holy Spirit opens and says, can I help you? And he said, no, I got the wrong house. Yeah. Don't do that. He is intelligent. He's more intelligent than you. He wants to engage you in a conversation. He'll destroy you. He has strength. He is power. But that, all of that is limited. Jesus says he is a king of a kingdom. You cast out Satan, you cast, he's casting out himself. He has a kingdom. It's on this earth. He is the ruler of the age, the scripture says. He is the prince of the world. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is moving, but he is moving, and we'll see here, he's moving quickly because he's got something to prove. So the woman is the nation of Israel. The the baby is the Christ child. Satan is out to destroy him. But now let's look at the war that ends all wars. It's going to bring it to a a close, but in in verse 7, There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceives the whole world he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they love not their lives unto the death therefore rejoice you heavens and you that dwell in them woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he has but a short time the war that ends all wars this war is going to culminate into the war that is to come we call it the battle of armageddon and it's going to lead just to that here is michael we find him addressed He is the only uh, archangel that's ever mentioned in the scripture. It's possible that Michael and Lucifer served side by side at the throne of God. Lucifer was cast out because he coveted the throne. So it leaves Michael. We read about Michael uh, in in the book of Daniel having to take care of of the evil forces that came against the angels as they came uh, to deliver messages to Daniel. We read about Michael and Jude as he contend as uh, Satan contended with him for the body of Moses. And all, all Michael would do is say, the Lord rebuke you. So now Michael, he accosts this one and there was a war in heaven. You can read it in Daniel chapter 10. There was a war going on. Michael has, has rebuked him for the body of, of Moses. This evil that we see here always originates in the intelligence of a personality. Now, you know why I said that? Because I want you to understand, Satan is real. He is a personality. He is real. And that's where this evil arises. It started when he coveted the throne. He was kicked out. He took a third of those angels with him. Some of them are still locked up and will never be out. There are some that are moving about and they are encouraging others to turn against God. But here is this personality called Satan. And now this war leads to the final culmination of what's going to happen. And he is defeated. And he calls him by name the devil, the slanderer, Satan, the adversary. He's been kicked out of heaven, a third kicked out with him, and cast down to the earth, the abyss, then to hell. I want you to know something. If you tie in with Satan, just remember this. Every time we read about him, he's going down, out of heaven to the earth, out of the earth into the abyss. We'll read that in the latter part of Revelation, the pit. And then out of the abyss, he will come forth, and he will fight against Jesus. Jesus will, will conquer him, and he will be cast into the bottom of the lake of fire. Down, 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 down. Now, I want you to look, because this, this kind of took me, and I, I've got to point this out to you. Verse 8, And Satan prevailed not, neither was their place found any more, in heaven, if you follow Satan, here's what happens: You lose because of sin. And you say, "But preacher, I, I'm a sinner. Thank you. That's what he wants you to admit. Do we stop sinning when we're saved? Anybody? Anybody quit it? said, "I'm not going to sin anymore? Anybody ever look at somebody else and say, I haven't sinned all day? If anybody ever tells you that, just smile at them and say, and you lie a lot too. All right, all right. <laughs> See what he does? Do we stop sinning? No. No, we don't because that's in our nature. All right. that, that's who we are. Uh-huh. And that's what worship is all about. Worship is coming in the presence of God. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many songs we sing. It doesn't matter how many, how many times we jump. I don't care how many pews you can jump. I don't care about anything else that you can do. If you want to really worship, you bow your head, open your heart to God, and you admit, I am a sinner, and you can begin to worship. That's what it takes for us. We lose because of the evil that's in this world, and Satan has been cast out. But did you notice what he said in verse 10? Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of God. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. I thought Satan was kicked out of heaven. He was. But because of the purpose and the plan of God. God allowed him back into heaven. Before the throne. Now I want you to understand. Satan is power. More than I have and you have. But it's power under control. Because he can only do what God allows. That's all he can do. And when he comes before the throne, he accuses. Now, let me help you put this together. In verse 10, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Which means he takes takes you to the throne of God, and he looks down and he says, God, did you see Norman? Isn't he a preacher? Did you see what he did? Did you see what he thought? Did you hear what he said? Condemn him, God. Condemn him. He's supposed to be such a great guy. Look at what he did. And then all of a sudden, Jesus steps up and he says, Father, I know all about what he did. He and I talked about it just a few minutes ago. And he turned his back. And because of my blood, I've covered him. And God says to Satan, get away from me. That happens to you. It happens to me. I read one commentator that said, could it be that Satan was at the, great, uh, at the uh, judgment seat as we come out of the rapture being judged and Satan was there accusing every one of us that came by? Okay? Okay. Being accused. He accuses you. He accused me. But notice this. How does it all happen? Verse 11. If you got your lipstick out, mark this. And they. Who are they? They come out of that last part of verse 10. Where it talks about those that are accused. The ones that are accused. Overcame him (coughs) by the blood of the Lamb. You see that? The blood that Jesus shed, it'll never, ever, no, not ever, lose its power. He's got the power to save you. He's got the power to cleanse you. He's got the power to deliver you. He's got the power to do whatever He needs to do. We overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb. Y'all know I don't like that word unless I really mean it. <laughs> Notice what else it said. He doesn't just say, okay, there's the blood. It is your testimony. Uh-huh. All right. In other words, we need to be telling people what we think about Jesus. All right. All right. Who He is. Yeah. We need to be bragging on Jesus. Yes, we do. And letting people see Jesus right. in us. Give me Jesus. I mentioned that song a couple of weeks ago. Give me Jesus. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. When I'm all alone, give me Jesus. And when it comes for me to die, give me Jesus. We need to be bragging on who He is and letting people understand He is the Savior of our life. And these people are living And not being afraid to stand up and say, it's Jesus that I worship, even to death. You say, preacher, I can do that. Okay. If I'm I'm on this earth and they come up to me and say, you say that Jesus doesn't live, or we're going to cut your head off. I really think that I could say, okay, cut my head off. Because Jesus is my Savior. Easy enough, isn't it? If I'm on this earth and they say, you either recant Jesus or we're going to torture your wife, your children, and your grandchildren, and we're going to make them suffer the most horrible death that's ever been known before, and you're going to sit and watch them suffer and die what would you do? What would you do? You say, oh, preacher. Could it happen? During this tribulation. So I'm asking you a question here. And here's what I want to know. Are you prepared for the rapture today to take you out of this where we don't have to answer those questions? because jesus has answered them for us because you see i'm ready for the rapture i'm ready i'm ready to go i had a little girl talking to me the other day about uh something 30 years from now and i said i'm not going to be here 30 years from now she said oh yeah you will. And i said no lord no i don't want to be here 30 years from now. i'm going to glory i'm gone and i know because of what Jesus did for me, I'm heaven bound. If he wants to take me out of the box, I'll go in the box. If he wants to pull me up, I'll let him pull me up. But I'm going. Are you? But the thing that I love the most is, I'm going to hold my wife's hand when we go. And my children. Are you prepared for that? Have you, been over, have you overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb? He's got a short time, and he's out to destroy you. What about this woman? What about Satan, and what's he doing? The last few verses, 13 through 17. <coughs> Basically, go back to verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had the place prepared of God, and they should feed her three and a, uh, feed her there 1,203 score days, three and a half years. Okay? Three and a half years. The dragon saw that he was cast to the earth. No longer is he going to be allowed in heaven to accuse. He's down to the earth. And now the earth better watch out because here he is. He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. Israel. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. That she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time, a times, and half a time. Three and a half years from the face of the serpent. The serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. That he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Where is this wilderness where she'll be? We don't know. We can guess, but it doesn't tell us. But he's going to protect Israel. Now, some say, well, that's that 144,000. I'm sure it is. But as you read verse 17, he's going to protect those that keep the commandments of God. Those who have turned to Christ during this time of the tribulation. All of those, the remnant of Israel, is what he's he's really doing and what he's going to protect. They're going to be protected in a wilderness and God is going to fly them out on the wings of an eagle. That's what he did with Israel as they come out of Egypt. God said, we do it on the wings of an eagle. Exodus 19, 4. He cared for them in the wilderness, and he says, as an eagle takes care of her young, Deuteronomy 32 and 11. When they returned from the Babylonian captivity, Isaiah said, we'll mount up on wings of eagles. The power of that bird reminds us of the power of God to protect, to keep, and to secure his remnant of Israel. And that's what's going to happen to Satan. He is going after her, and he will cast out of his mouth water as a flood. It could be so many different things that he's talking about. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter what it is, because you see, if it's a flood, God opened the earth and swallowed the water. If it's, if it's an army that comes against them, God will open the earth and swallow the army. God will protect Israel. That's what he said. The dragon is mad. He makes war with the seed. And those that keep the commandments of God. And have the testimony of Jesus. That's us too, folks. We keep the commandments of God. We've got the testimony of Jesus. How's he going to protect us? Wham, bam, boom, we're gone. We're in glory. And you know there's no sign to be fulfilled for that. All we're waiting on is the trumpet. That's all. And it could sound at any moment. And we're gone. And he's going to protect us. Satan is mad because God is victorious. And we're going to see all these things that begin to happen to him as God moves in his plan with the false prophet, the beast, the dragon, All of those we'll read about until all of a sudden we read about Jesus as we live in his kingdom. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Satan is real. Satan is active. Satan is mad. And Satan is out to destroy you. Jesus died for you. That's how much he loves you. He paid the price for your sin. The scripture teaches us that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess we're a sinner and we believe he died and was buried and rose again and in faith we ask him to come into our heart, he'll save you this morning. Man, woman, boy, or girl. We need to prepare that we can live victoriously From now until Jesus comes in the power of Almighty God. Would you love to know Him? I'd love to introduce Him. Let's pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm inviting you this morning to come and know this Jesus whose blood was shed that we might overcome the power of Satan if you're here without Christ and you know you've never invited Him into your heart to save you, I'm going to give you an opportunity as we pray together. You open your heart and you pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I know I'm a lost sinner. I believe Jesus Christ died for me. I believe He rose again. By faith, Lord Jesus, I ask You to come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sins. Save me, Lord. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. You. If you've invited Christ into your heart this morning, I'm going to invite you to get up from where you are and come and stand right here. Let me talk to you for just a moment. You want to pray that prayer? Maybe you just didn't do it, but you'd love to. Come and stand here. We'll pray that prayer together. You need a church home by letter, by statement for baptism. From another church, you come. We'll let God work out the details. You come and say yes to Him right now. What God is laying on your heart, you take a step and you come. Come to Jesus, not to me. Come to Jesus. Let Him deliver you. Father, in the name of Jesus, give us the boldness to step out and say yes in Jesus' name. As we stand together and as we sing, I invite you to come. Come now, but come quickly.